0: So um it's trying right now.
1: Yeah, I suspect um bandwidth's gonna become more and more of
0: an issue <laughs> it in the next does. couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been it's been quite interesting. You've been doing a lot of stuff on the computer, like...
1: Um a lot of internal stuff with uh HQ. Nice. Um I've got a um uh advanced and decode class that was I was supposed to be teaching this weekend so we're going to do some of the theory online Um, and then um, what I'm thinking about is doing some uh, some video stuff for the uh, diving educators group Um, and then some some stuff for myself as well Mm -hmm. deco theory some other bits and pieces just to uh, keep the profile up keep the name out there
0: yep I hear you All right, so we are Facebook Live at this point in time, but I am trying to find our event to post into it. Mm -mm -mm. There we go there. Yeah, the new Facebook thing doesn't let me see how many viewers are on at the exact moment while we're chatting, which is was uh, was beneficial. Oh, look, it's dropping out again. All right, let's see. I am not recording on this computer. I am recording in Zoom. I do not know why Facebook, it looks like it drops in and out. I don't know what it's doing. So um, we will do the Facebook thing and see if people will join us and hang out with us and, and what's going on. Um, so uh introduction this is Mark Powell um what's your official position with headquarters there Mark Uh
1: that's an interesting one <laughs> I um I don't actually have an official job title with mm. uh with HQ um my uh my job description is just be yourself um sure. which is is a pretty easy job description to uh, to achieve most of the time um Yeah, it's uh, it's a combination of primarily working with the dive centers, working with the regions um, and also um, being sort of the the bridge between HQ and the rest of the world. So I help out on the marketing uh, and uh, training aspects in in the rest of the world, run instructor trainer workshops and um, yeah, pretty much anything that needs needs doing.
0: Nice. Um, And you were just where were you just uh, Egypt?
1: Uh, yeah, I was in Egypt uh, just before all of this started um, mm-hmm. running an instructor trainer workshop uh, for our Middle East office over there. So we had uh, five or six candidates uh, from that region all going through their instructor trainer workshop. Um, it's actually part of a, a, a bigger trip. I was doing some um, rebreather instructor training over there just before the, um, just before the, uh, the ITW and then uh heading up to Dahab to do a, a Sea Shepherd Ghost Net course um before then spending some time with some of the other regional offices in the area. And then ending up in um in Bahrain for a uh, a ghost net uh project. Nice. But obviously the uh second half of the trip got, got cancelled. So we managed to get the uh the ITW all finished. Um mm-hmm. some great candidates over there. Uh and then um when I saw that uh, they were starting to close the airports, I uh, said, it's, yeah, time to cut the trip short
0: and, and get mm-hmm. back home. Yeah. yeah, we had a friend that landed in England and just got a flight right back and hopped back and just mm-hmm. turned yeah. right around. It was impressive. Um, so you uh, have two books in print, is that correct? Two books or more?
1: That's right, yep. Two. Um, the uh, Deco for Divers was the, the original um book uh, which is uh, amazingly has been out for about 10 years now nice. um which uh, yeah always amazes me that it was it was that long ago um so that was uh, that was the first book and then last year in fact it was almost so almost exactly a year ago uh, I published the second book uh, introduction to technical diving
0: um i have been very impressed by that one we i grabbed a, uh, i think it was a dima that i grabbed it and then um that's right. When we started teaching the foundations course and it is exactly what we were looking for from the foundations course thing. So if you're planning on taking foundations, you need Mark's book. Um, I will post a link for it, um, but it is an absolute requirement. So one of my other instructors here at the shop would be very upset with me, Sean, if I didn't ask you if it was because he's asked me like seven times and I haven't asked you. Yet. Um, is it going to come out as an ebook? Um, the intro to tech?
1: Um, yes absolutely it will be uh, as an ebook um, Decode for divers was available as an ebook but uh, the, the I don't know understand the whole details but the the, the company that, that was hosting it doing the back-end stuff uh, changed their uh, formatting so we need to do some work to get that back um, published and when we do that uh, intro tech will also be uh, available
0: good uh, all right
1: Especially at the moment, yeah, it would, it's a it's a no brainer.
0: Yeah, uh, time frame at all on that, or is it kind of completely up in the air?
1: Well, um, we were looking at you know imminent uh, within the next couple of weeks before all of this started. Um, uh, so yeah, as soon as possible would be um, would be my preference. But uh, yes, we're certainly talking about you know this year, not next year, and hopefully the middle of this year rather than the end of next run
0: okay. the end of this year. Okay. Uh, so uh questions I've been asking everybody that we'll go ahead and knock them out right now. Uh what are some of your favorite places to dive? Some of those like uh bucket list places you've gotten to do so far that you were just amazed by
1: um well there's there's sort of two answers to, to that question. There's the um the the bucket list uh, question, which um, let's deal with that one first. Um, I think um, there's, there's there's bucket list destinations that I've I've already dived, uh, and top of the list is probably going to be the Britannic, wow. um, the uh, the sister ship of the the Titanic. You know, it's just a, a such an iconic wreck. Uh, the history of it. Um, uh, the the challenge of uh, of getting there and actually getting permission to dive it, uh, and then the, the wreck itself. So yeah, the Britannic um, will always be you know, pretty much at the top of my list of, of diving memories. Um, also, I've got to say uh, the group of divers that I that I did it with as well. Um, it was um, it was a real team effort. We had a great group of divers, um, some of which I knew already, um, some. It was the, the first time I met them, and they they become friends for life. So, uh, yeah, the, the just the whole thing was such a, a fantastic event. Um, we gave it uh, on the the 100th year anniversary of the of the sinking as part mm-hmm. of a uh, an event that uh, the, the government of the island of Kier had, had put on. So it was just you know, dripping with historical uh, significance. Um, so yeah, that that's probably got to be right up there. Um, but then. Also, I think uh, Truck Lagoon um, is just you know, world, world-class diving. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I did it uh, with uh, Aaron Arongamson, the, uh, the founder of the Dirty Dozen. We did the first Dirty Dozen trip. And um, I always said, that, you know, it was a trip of a lifetime. I wanted to go out and do it. And as long as i dive trip, I'd be happy. So yeah, truck of a life, trip of a lifetime I did in, uh, in March. And then I went back again at the end of the year because it was just so good.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you just I talked to Aaron, uh, last week this time and we were talking about that too. It's, Mm -hmm. I am, uh, we were supposed to be three days into our truck trip right now. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. So that is, uh, that's sad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you uh, get it rescheduled because it is just, yeah, it is. It is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, We're thinking uh, next April. So we'll see. Um, I got so many on the list. I want to do bikini and I want to do scapa and uh, trying to figure all that out is just, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. I mean, uh, bikini is the next on my list. That's the, that's the the one on my bucket list that I haven't, um, that I haven't yet done. Oh, uh, you
0: haven't done that uh, yet. Nice.
1: I'm supposed to be heading out to the bikini next year. Wow! So yeah, really, really looking forward to to that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, you know again from the, the historical significance having the the Saratoga and the, and the Gato, uh, you know, right there yeah. next to each other, uh, to the most significant ships um, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, um, and um, you know the. Uh, the great thing about bikini is that it makes truck look fairly accessible.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then the other one you mentioned, which I was going to bring up as well, uh, in terms of bucket list diving, uh, is, is Scapa Flow. And uh, now, now for us in the UK, Scapa Flow is relatively easy to, to get to. You know, it's pretty much on our, uh, our doorstep. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's world class diving um and well funny it's funny you should mention those three because the picture you uh you selected for the for this event um brings all of those together Uh that's uh uh, that picture was taken while i was doing a talk about truck Mm -hmm. and i was also talking about how i wanted to go to bikini um and the two vikings that invaded the stage are uh two of the uh the, the skippers from uh from Scapa Flow uh, to the best skippers uh, that you could prob that you could possibly go with in in Scapa, um, Hazel and Helen from uh, Valkyrie and Valhalla are fantastic, great skippers, um, very knowledgeable, and um, Helen is a fantastic cook as well. So um, nice, uh, they're yeah they're a fantastic uh, group to go with.
0: That's the uh that's the one that you'd mentioned to me. I've been looking at them. I just haven't uh with I was trying to get the truck trip off of it and um and done so that I could start planning all these and uh yeah, just hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. um I'm gonna post their link up here so that everybody else can find it. And it's always finding them is a little bit of a challenge for me. For uh, so I'm gonna post that right there. Beautiful. Um Warren Miller says hello, by the way. <laughs> Warren's on here. So, <laughs> good old hey. word.
1: Um, and that, that sort of brings me around full circle, you know, what's my favorite destination? Mm-hmm. The U.K. Um, if I had to pick one country uh, that I, I could only dive in one country for the rest of my life, it would be the, the U.K. Um, we've got absolutely fantastic wreck diving around the U.K. Um, yeah, everybody knows about Scapa Flow, but we've got uh, all the wrecks around the south coast, um, in the in the English Channel, there are there's liners, there's warships, there's destroyers, there's uh, submarines, um, uh, there's fantastic cargo ships. We have uh, we've got the, the legacy of the, the first and second world war wrecks and mm-hmm. the um, uh, the blockade by the the German U-boats. Mm-hmm. So there are literally thousands of wrecks around the, the UK. Um, We've got uh, Malin Head off the northwest coast of, uh, of Ireland, um, with some of the best uh, wrecks in, in the world. Um, and also, you know, I, I know you guys have a, a U-boat off the uh, east coast of the, of the US. Um, well, we've got them all around the UK. Uh-huh. At the end of the, the First World War, there was uh, uh, an operation called Operation Deadlight, and. Um, we had all of the, the German submarines and there were so many, we didn't know what to do with them. So we just took them out and sank them off the uh, off Malin head. Um, so there are yeah, literally um, s- just sitting there, all these different U boats, different classes. So uh, yeah, if you're a, if you're a wreck enthusiast, the UK yeah. is is one of the best places in the world to, to dive.
0: Nice. So what's the, um, what's the accessibility like? How does that, are there readily accessible charters? Are they, I mean, it's a, I guess it's a well-kept secret at this point in time not many people talk about it um being a location but you know the world war you know one and two history produced a whole lot of wrecks and that's what a lot of people are going after and you know that's they're really great wrecks to dive so it seems like it would be a hot spot anyways but what's the accessibility like is there any issues there uh, no, uh,
1: there's some as you say, hotspots is probably the the right word for it. There's a, a couple of key locations uh, around the UK uh, that are really are hotspots for diving. Uh, Weymouth and Portland is, uh, is where I've done most of my diving out of the UK. So uh, on the south coast, pretty much uh, smack in uh, in the middle, um, there are a whole range of uh, of dive boats operating out of uh, of Weymouth and Portland uh, similar to diving. Uh, skin Deep, uh, just two of the, uh, the, the ones that I, I've used the most, and um, fantastic for wreck for diving. Uh, but there's a whole range of others as well all around that area. Um, and it's great because we've got the dive boats, we've got the dive centers. Um, underwater Explorers is uh, one of the ones I use a, a lot down there. Fantastic uh, guys that have got all the equipment and also compressors. Nitrox, trimix, everything uh, on on tap, um, and also accommodation, and and, and it's very accessible. Um, in fact, uh, you know, Portland Harbour is one of the uh, the largest man-made harbours in the world, and there are even wrecks inside the harbour. It's big enough hmm. that there are wrecks inside the harbour. So, if the weather's so bad that you can't even get outside the harbour, you can still can still dive. So, from a training point of view, it's fantastic. Um, I've done. Uh, a number of training courses, uh, well hundreds of training courses uh, and done skills dives inside the harbour and then you go slightly further offshore uh, and you've got um, some fantastic wrecks. There's uh, the Salset, which was a pinot liner um, and um, was voted the, the best wreck in the UK a number of years ago. Um, uh, almost intact, uh, lying, on its, uh, lying on its side, um, just a fantastic wreck. But then also there's um, a lot of in- more interesting and uh, unique wrecks as well. There's a wreck called the M2, which lies just off uh, Portland. The M2 was a, um, uh, it was a submarine. Uh, originally, there was the M1, M2, and M3. And they were designed um, with a, a 15-inch gun on the submarine. Uh, so um, it looked absolutely unbelievable, uh, this huge, great gun on a, on a submarine. Um, but then after the washington um, naval treaty of 26, 27, um guns that size on submarines were uh, outlawed so they decided um, to change it uh, the m the m1 had already sunk at that point uh, so that's dive also divable um, and has got the gun uh, still had the gun in place um, but uh, the m2 was converted and they decided uh okay if you're gonna if you're gonna take the gun off it what else can we put on that's even more ridiculous so they mm-hmm. decided to put an aircraft carrier uh, on the front of the the submarine so there's a, an aircraft hangar, uh, and uh, there was a, a short launch and a, a recovery winch and they would launch a seaplane off the front of this submarine um, and that sank off the the coast of uh, of portland um so the other um hub uh, along the south coast for diving is uh, is Portsmouth, um, sorry um, uh, Plymouth, and the uh, the M1 sank off the coast of Plymouth. So we've got uh, one of the uh, the other um, ships from the submarines from the same family sank off the other diving centre main diving centre. So huh? yeah, Plymouth is the other sort of main focus of uh, along the, the south coast, and again great dive centres, um, in deep dive centre down there are. Um, a great center aquanauts and there's a number of others uh with uh all of facilities and dive boats as well
0: nice and so the depths of the wrecks are pretty much shallow recreational to deeper technical right there's a range of all of them or
1: yeah um lots of shallow recreational wrecks um the, the english channel uh in the middle from a from accessible from weymouth and portland um 60 to 65 meters is the the maximum so um yeah i was that? 100 100 foot um um so you know fantastic trimix range then as you go further west as you get further out uh out of uh, plymouth and out to the channel islands it gets much deeper uh so then you can get up to 100 uh, and in some areas even even beyond that um mm-hmm. so yeah there's a there's a complete range um from yeah from from 10 foot to 300 foot
0: nice that's great um so are are people taking um is it easily accessible i don't want to use accessible again but easily accessible for like uh a trip trip planning how how does that work are there um places to stay hotels is it resort i mean it's not really resorts right it's but it's but there are are the dive shops i guess affiliated with places to stay
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: it's um, you know it's it's a common uh, a common thing. You know, you go away mm. for a weekend or a week's diving. Uh-huh. Um, you need the boat. You need the the, the gas fills. Um, you need yeah. um, somewhere to eat, somewhere to go for a drink in the evening, well, and uh, and somewhere <laughs> to stay. So yeah, most of the dive centres mm. have have got links with hotels, mm-hmm. um, guest houses, or uh, even hostels if you're on a on a budget um, that can can put up divers. Right. Um, there are uh, there are some that even uh, do special deals for for divers. Right. Um near where I am there's a there's a fantastic uh, pub called the Huntsman which does proper diver sized food. If you've been diving all day uh, and you need a um a, a good meal in the evening and um, they do they do fantastic food um and they're very welcoming of uh, of divers as well.
0: The Huntsman. Yes,
1: huh? uh, mhm Yep fantastic,
0: uh, fantastic. uk, i assume is their website well, take a look at this uh that's
1: I'll probably throw one, that up yeah, there. phil is the uh, is the landlord there and um before i moved down to this area i used to i used to virtually live there
0: <laughs> i like it very nice um that's a that's a very interesting opportunity that uh we might want to take advantage of it you know we're looking for some cool interesting things so I, I think that would fit a lot of it. Um, yeah, we, we get stuck into the, you know, a lot of interesting stories of the technical diving stories, but we cater to recreational just as much, if not more. And it, it, it's tough because a lot of the stories become technical, but that gives us an opportunity to, you know, give something for recreational and technical, which is, you know, where we're trying to hang out and look at. So, um, come back around to another technical story. And then I want to talk training a little bit. Um, Britannic. How did you get an opportunity to do the Britannic? How would that whole thing go down?
1: Um, it was, as is the case with a lot of technical trips, it was a, a friend of a friend. Um, I'd always wanted to do the the, the Britannic. It was, um, well, uh, Kevin Gur's session really sort of got my interest up. Um, and that was just at the point where, you know, I was starting to get into into technical diving. Um, and I thought, yeah, I wanna, I wanna do that. And I'd, I'd sort of, I'd mentioned to enough people um, that I was really interested. Um, I talked to lots of people who dived it uh, before. And so, uh, when an expedition was being put on, um, I got a message from uh, a friend of mine. Said, you know, this is this is going, going on. Um, it's uh, by invite only, and you know, would you be interested? Mm-hmm. and i uh, i i bit the hand off um yep absolutely i'm
2: uh,
1: <laughs> definitely interested in that wow. um the uh the britannic has got you know it's got a, an amazing history uh not just from the the ship itself but the the discovery of the wreck it was uh, rediscovered by cousteau uh you know wherever you go with diving cousteau's always been there before you, you know, whether it's a truck uh hms hermes or the britannic uh, custo has uh, has been there, um, but uh, it was very very difficult to get permission to dive the uh, the, the Britannic for, from about two thousand and nine up until two thousand and sixteen. Very difficult to get uh, permission, and um, um, I, I found out that this expedition was together. It was tied up with the hundredth year centenary. Um, and so I thought, well, if, if we're going to do it, if they're going to ever going to give people permission to dive it, that's the time to to do it. Mm-hmm. So I dived with a couple of people that were on the trip, um, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm I'm up for it. There were some conditions you had to be, obviously, qualified to dive to that depth, and importantly, dived up on that depth. I think the, uh, the criteria was you had to have dived to that sort of depth um, within the last 12 um, uh, have all the insurance in in place um, so uh, yeah i uh, I said I was interested um, the the deal was you put your deposit down and then if we do it fantastic if it if it works out that we can't do it then you lose your deposit mm-hmm. which uh, I was
0: more than happy with <laughs> yeah it's fine risk right um exactly yeah Warren asked, what's the best time of year to go? I'm assuming Warren is asking about the UK, even though he refuses to travel with me for more than one thing. So what's the best time of year to go to the UK for everyone but Warren?
1: Well, um, I mean, uh, the thing about diving in the UK is that it is unpredictable. Um, So... Uh, There are times when, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Uh, January, February, yeah, probably not a good idea to be Mm -hmm. diving in the UK. Now, actually, we get some fantastic conditions. Um, If it is calm, um, then it can be fantastic, but unpredictable. Um, So, yeah, summertime um, and and actually late summer is one of the best times uh, to go. May June time a little bit early, and sometimes um, you get you get some bad weather. Uh, and also uh, we get quite a lot of plankton bloom early in the year. Mm-hmm. So a little bit later, July August even September sometime can be a um, uh, can be the best time. The water temperatures warmed up. Uh, you get um, um, generally longer spells of uh, of good weather. So yeah, if you're going to come all the way from the, the states. Uh, or other places from, uh, from around the world, July, August, September is probably the, uh, the best time. Um, saying that, um, for, it's one of the big advantages of Scapa. It's actually a bigger weather window uh, for Scapa because it's a natural harbour. The, yeah. the whole reason why uh, the German fleet was there was the, previously the, uh, the home base of the, of the Grand Fleet. Um, because it's such a good natural harbour, so it's much, much more protected from the the wind, so um, pretty much um, any time from uh, March through to end of october even um, scapper is is, is divable
2: nice.
1: so uh, yeah you know there's, there's still time, uh, assuming that things get back to normal within the next couple of months there's still time to be looking at uh scapper for for the end of
0: this year. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's one that I'm really interested in. Just trying to work out all the logistics and everything, and, and find other people to go with. Right, so that's always the mm-hmm. yeah that are qualified and ready and willing, and you know th- they've heard that before, but they don't really know where it is. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, well,
1: um, you know, when when if you're trying to convince them, uh, all you've got to tell me, you know, we the the whole of the or most of the the German fleet was scuttled in, in Scapa Flow and even though some of it was uh, salvaged there are th- still three battleships laying side by side almost uh, four destroyers plus a whole range of other um, ships there as well um, plus the, the history of, uh, of Scapa itself the, you know the area the islands uh, there is there's prehistoric um, uh, settlements there from thousands of years ago all the way up there's the through the um, obviously the, the first and second world war, uh, activities. Um, uh, so yeah, there's, there's 3000, yeah, nearly 4,000 years worth of, of history, uh, just available in, in Orkney.
0: Yeah, that's, that is amazing. I'm very, very interested in, in checking that out and finding some people and to head up there and check out those wrecks. So I'm hoping to rope you and Aaron in to come with me, so we'll see what ends up happening. Hear that, Aaron? Yeah, definitely I'll have to tag him. Here we go. He's probably asleep or working on something. Oh, it's not going to do um, it because I'm on the page. So.
1: I'm definitely up for uh, up for that. Like I said, it's it's relatively accessible. Right. Um, so yeah, if you get you get half a boat together, and I'll uh, I'll find some UK divers to come up. That works. Uh, or European divers to to yeah. come up with you.
0: That works. I like it. Um, all right. So on to training um, and. I mean, we were going to talk about this anyways, but you kind of started a Facebook group too recently, right? And, and um, been talking a little bit more about training um, and philosophies, and you did that at DEMA. So I think there's, a, there's probably a good amount to talk about. Um, so uh, where should we start? Um, general philosophy on training open water students from the start. Um, I feel you're probably as opinionated as Nick and Alex are, who I talked to the other day. So um, how do you train open? students from the start
1: um uh, the, way, the way i go more to students is um i look at uh well there's a there's a phrase i use a lot when i'm when i'm teaching and when i'm specifically teaching instructors is teach divers not skills and that sort of wraps up the whole uh, philosophy i want to produce someone who can go diving um my background is um though I'm um, exclusively commercial instructor these days. My background was uh, from Montia side. So um, in the UK we have this club system where people effectively join a club, teach uh, for fun. Uh, they don't get paid. They do it. As, uh, they do it for fun. So in order to to bring people into a club, you know to go diving with. So my philosophy, you know, it wasn't something that was deep. Um, intellectual thing um, the philosophy when we were teaching divers is well we want to go diving with these guys as soon as they are trained so the, um, the the whole approach was I tell them the things that they need to know in order to go diving in the environment that we are diving so the end result was always to, to create a safe diver um, rather than this checklist mentality of I've got to teach this skill I've got to teach this skill because that, I think, is, it, it leads people down the wrong path. If you have to the skills, if you have to do a tick list of skills, you focus on the individual skill rather than taking a second looking at, is this person a safe diver? And um, I think that, that even though um, now I teach purely in the, the commercial uh, environment, I think that's still um, reflected completely in the, the STI ethos. You know mm-hmm. the the loved ones clause, which we all always come back to. You know, would you let this person dive with one of your loved ones? Well, in that case, I'm not looking at the individual skills. I'm looking at is this person a safe diver? So that my philosophy has always been: how do we create safe divers?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so a big part of that is having someone who can just go for a dive. Um, And so that naturally leads on to focusing on what people are really going to need when they go diving. What are they really going to need? Well, then they're going to need to be able to go down um, in the UK, uh, stay off the bottom because it might be quite silty, swim around and then come back up in a a controlled manner. Uh, Quite often if we're diving in the the UK, there's currents, so we might send up an SMB. So, yeah, being able to go down, um, hover off the bottom and not be um dragging along the bottom, um not kicking up the bottom, and then do a safe ascent at the end of the dive. That's the that's the, the bread and butter of diving. Um it's a bit like when you learn to drive. You know, you learn to drive, you learn the basics first, and then you start to add on the, the other stuff. The emergency stop, the three point turn, the you know, the little um set piece skills. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that's how I've always taught people to, uh, to dive and it turns out now that apparently is becoming quite fashionable and that's all of a sudden the new way of doing it. Well, yeah, it's, it's not a new way of doing it. That's how I've <laughs> been teaching people to dive for, for years. Um, so what that means is that uh, I'm not worried on the very first dive, you know, about doing skill A, B or C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not worried about, you know, do they do a, a regulator recovery on the first confined water session. Let's get them in the water. Let's get them comfortable. Let's get them swimming around. Let's let them enjoy it um, and bring them into into diving. Um, And then, once they're comfortable, then you can start to add on the more uh, difficult skills. When they're comfortable, they'll find it a little bit easier to deal with some of the more difficult skills. But you whack someone with one of the most difficult skills straight off. Immediately, you take them in the water. And yeah, of course, they're going to struggle. They're going to um, they're going to find it difficult. They may even decide that it's it's not for them. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this is just uh, it's just common sense. Um, I think uh, I mean you referenced the uh, the the diving educators group that uh, started recently, and there's a great um, there's a great post on there uh, from uh, an instructor that says you know the 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 reason that we're struggling with this, the reason why some instructors are resisting this, uh, this emphasis on good buoyancy and, um, and and teaching people with the end in mind rather than just focusing on skills, is because that's what they were taught and they're mm-hmm. struggling to see past that. Uh, it's, you know, is a, is a concept that uh, we stress in the SDI instructor course. Mm-hmm. People tend to fall back to what they learned first of all. So teach them the right thing first of all, and then when they fall back on the right thing, fantastic that's that's what we want uh teach them the wrong thing first of all and if they fall back on that then um they're making the situation worse
0: yeah and that so I have, a, I have a very similar philosophy on that where where we try to i try to lead the student to a correct answer but they've developed it on their own so since they've developed it when i'm long and gone and they're doing their own thing it allows them to critically think so if if there is an industry turn or we have some sort of research or we see something that maybe it can be done better from you know i taught it five years ago one way as opposed to them being like my instructor said to do this well okay think for yourself um i told them no i that there's nothing that gets me more heated than saying i'm doing it because you told me to that is not an answer that is that is a cop out or when they come to me and I go, why are you doing that? Cause my instructor told me so Is well, then we need to retrain you on everything. Cause you're not thinking, um, mm-hmm. and yep. it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, I think that that's such an important point because um, it may well be that what the instructor taught them is right
2: mm-hmm. when they
1: taught it. Right. Um, so, you know, one of the examples I use uh, uh, when we talk about this is um, buddy breeding. I was taught buddy breeding. Did uh, my initial training, Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: and that was absolutely the right thing because at that point most regulators had a single second stage. Um, If you had to share air, buddy breathing was the only option, and so we taught buddy breathing. And a lot of instructors thought, "Yeah, buddy breathing is great; builds confidence." So even when um, second, uh, a second regulator, octopus, or uh, whatever you want to call the alternative, uh, came uh, came into Instructors still wanted to teach buddy breathing because it's a good skill because how I learned. Um, but then what we got is that uh, students did what they were taught. So if um, if they, they got into trouble and they ran out of, of, of air, then they instantly switched into buddy breathing because that was the muscle memory, that was the training that they'd received. Um, and so we're training them to do the wrong thing. It used to be the right thing, but it's no longer the right thing. And equipment evolves. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, you know, um, uh, I I learned to dive just at the point where stab jackets were starting to come in, Um, you know, BCDs, standard BCDs now. Um, But at the time, you know, there were still divers uh, that weren't using any buoyancy device. Uh, There were divers that were using old horse collar uh, jackets. And if we'd used the argument that, well, this is standard kit, we can't use anything other than the standard kit, then BCDs would never have come in. Um, but now BCDs are, are much more popular. But as new kit evolves, side mount, um, um, backplates, wings. Um, of course, side mount backplates and wings aren't actually new. They've been around <laughs> for, for a long time. But as they become more popular, yeah, why not incorporate those into the into the training? The training should be uh, oriented around teaching people to use the the kit, not forcing them. Uh, to learn things because that's the kit that we we used to use or mm-hmm. we used when we became uh, instructors. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the industry has to has to move on. It, it has always moved on, uh, and yet there's it there seem to be some people now want to want to fix things and say right now we've reached perfection. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're not going to change anything else. We're not going to carry on uh, evolving.
0: Yeah. We've I mean, very we've evolved so much in, in in not so much time for when you start considering you know the the dive industry itself is fairly infantile overall and uh, from an age standpoint and other standpoints. Um, so it's, uh, if I was on a dive boat, oh, 10 years, 15 years ago. And um, I, uh, the captain, the skipper came out and he's gets, it's a, it's a rope. It's an eight of rope and it's got a little loop and a big loop. And I'm, he's like, you know what this is? I'm like, new diver. I'm like, I got no clue what that is. What is it? He goes, it's my first BCD. He goes. You put the loop around the valve, and you put the rope around yourself. He was. I was skinnier then, but this used to fit me, and I'd just jump in with the t- the tank wrapped around me. I was like, "Okay, things are a little bit different." So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, one of the things that was extremely intriguing from the uh, that you gave a presentation on that I was very uh, very happy to see, um, and we utilize way more now in the foundations course that we're teaching um video with training um i've asked this for a couple of people how do you use video with training uh what's the pros and cons to it just uh, give us a little you know your opinion on that mm-hmm. um so again this is a, a
1: perfect example of how things have uh, have evolved um you know you go back uh, 15 years 10 years even five years and uh when when you talked about an underwater video camera, it was the size of a small car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, you needed two hands to push this thing uh, around. And there was absolutely no way you could use that video and do anything else. Um, you know, you, your, your focus entirely was on the video. Whereas now, we've got um, cameras that are, you know, this size. Um, we've got cameras that will fit on the, on the side of your mask. You can turn it on and completely forget about it so as the technology changes the um the use of that technology changes uh, again 10 years ago you filmed something and several days later you might actually get to see it mm-hmm. uh, whereas now uh, you film some film something and as soon as I release, it's bluetooth itself to my laptop or my phone i can open up my laptop and watch the the, the video, so technology's is changing. There, therefore, what we do with it can can change. Um, I'm a big fan of using video uh, during during training. Um, divers, I've seen it so many times. I say, oh no, no, I didn't do that, or you know, my my trim is perfect. I'm dead flat, and then show, oh really, wow. No, I'm 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 not flat. I'm, wow. So um, I've had uh, divers absolutely flat out deny they did something or that they didn't uh, do something and then you show them video and their recollection of what happened is completely different to what actually happened Mm -hmm. and the only way you've got of convincing them is to just tell them flat out that they're wrong and even then you're not really because they think remembered it on the video is a very very way of giving feedback absolutely um, because you're not telling them that they're out of trim. Uh, you're not telling them that they forgot to do this or that. Uh, they can see it there, uh, right in front of them. Um, so it's, and, and for visual learners, it's a much, much more effective way than you trying to describe it and waving your hands around and doing all of this sort of stuff. Um, they can see it, and they can see it immediately. Um, so yeah, big, big fan of that. Um, um, but there are some some downsides, and again, uh, you know, it comes back to the, the reason why we, uh, in the past, have, uh, have sort of frowned upon using video, and that's the attention on the student. Um, if you are videoing, you've got to make sure that your attention is still 100% on the, on the student. So, use a dive master to, to video is probably the easiest solution. Or um, I think uh, as you guys have got set up there, you've got a fixed camera
0: that you can- Yeah, we have uh, we have one camera on a plate and um, like two others on like tripods fixed. You know, we, could, we can fix them to the docking area and the, basically the student will come up. It's almost like, like me seeing you, you come up to the camera, I'd be behind your camera looking at you as the instructor, the camera's below me and we're the buddy team, they're showing me their skills and but they're doing it in the camera. So I got somebody that was like, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, I lost my buoyancy by, like, maybe a foot or two. And I was like, all right, watch. And they're like, wait, where did I go? I'm like, not quite sure, but the wide-angle camera still doesn't have you. I think it might be more than a foot. And they're like, yep. yeah, <laughs> probably is, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's good exactly. feedback. And we can allow a buddy system with the camera on a plate or on a tripod, and we put it kind of underneath the – you know, the instructor's hovering over the, hovering over it on the platform, and the students off in kind of the open water, but it's still the, the same – orientation just as a camera below us so which is yeah very interesting one yeah exactly yep. so
1: yeah that that's a great uh, approach i think if you've got a you know fixed training spot uh, a training platform um or uh you know mounted i, I, I know some instructors have a um, a camera mounted on the the goodman handle mm-hmm. uh, of their torch yep. uh, they may not have the torch on but they're still using um you know they've got it there anyway um or mask mounted or or mounted on the top of your your head um so that there's no input required from the um from the instructor
0: yep yeah that's and that's the key right is to make sure it's completely hands off because you want to make sure that it's not distracting you in any way shape or form it's a um Mm -hmm. it's got to be a passive tool so that's what we found is there's a temptation to continue to adjust the camera can i do i have them do i have them it's that's not the most important part. It's just an extra tool that you should perfect over time, not while you're trying to do the dives. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Too many people try to do feedback underwater and, and see the camera. It is set it, forget it, review it later on. Um, yeah, exactly. And then delete it. Uh-huh.
1: Um, that's the other thing. You know, th- this is not publicity. Pictures. This is not mm-hmm. stuff that you're gonna gonna post, yep. um, so don't worry about how well it's framed. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry about the, the lighting. As long as the student can see uh, what they need, then that's fine. Um, and then delete it. And I yep. always tell my students that um, I'm going to delete the film at the end of the um, uh, at the end of the course. They're welcome to keep a copy of of their bits, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to delete it. It's not going to go on YouTube. Um, it's not going to go on Facebook um because it's it's there as a teaching tool not uh, mm. not publicity not for PR uh, if they want to do a dive after the course and get some pretty pictures and you know we'll get some pictures of them in trim looking cool, the hero shots yeah, great we can yep. do all of that but that's not the goal of the uh, uh, the video while we're teaching
0: right and and we see that like so i've I've seen multiple instructors out there that, their their class video is clearly not about teaching the students it's about trying to get some publicity you know he, look at how well my students tanks are trimmed well, like yeah you probably used it you might have used it for your students but it's pretty clear that you are just trying to get publicity on your tank trimming and then they retort with show your pictures of your students and it's like listen that's not it's not what it's there for they're learning how to do things i don't need you to critique my students we're trying to develop them and they don't need to be ridiculed. We've already gone through that whole thing um, and discussed exactly. it. Yeah. So I, I like yeah, the I bleeding mean, thing.
2: I, uh,
1: I wouldn't want to show the, um, the video of any of my students because right. they're on the course to learn um, mm-hmm. because they can't do it. They, they have things right. that they need to learn. They have got things that they don't know. They've right. got things that they will be getting wrong. But my job is to correct all those right. so that at the end they've got it right. So – during the course, they're still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, someone's going to look at it and go, "Oh, look at this guy. He's uh, he's, you know, he's doing this wrong. He's doing that wrong." Yeah, of course. That's why he's doing
0: the course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if he came in perfect, what would be the point? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's. I completely. It frustrates me watching people do that, and then it's like, Oh, okay, that's, and it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, you
1: know the cool stuff, the publicity stuff afterwards. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we want publicity, but it's different. It's a different objective than, um, Mm -hmm. than the training video.
0: Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to find the video and post it. We, we did keep one snippet. Um, we were trying to video somebody doing, um, what was he, I think he was doing helicopter turns. We were trying to videotape someone doing helicopter turns, and you're watching the camera, and suddenly this fish just comes up and just sits in the middle and then goes back down, and we missed the entire skill because a fish decided he need to put his eye in the camera. So it was quite comical. We were sitting down having beers watching it. We're like, oh, that looks pretty. Oh, there's fish. Okay. <laughs> they get involved every once in a while. So you get some pretty interesting video going on. Um, but I,
1: yeah, I, I... – I said I, I delete the video i um I do have one clip that i use I used it in that talk yep um that I, that I kept because it was such a good example mm-hmm. of um some of the unexpected stuff that, that comes mm-hmm. up on the, on a course so uh, there I specifically asked permission to to keep it and the uh, the students were were more than happy to
0: uh, to use that as a as a teaching tool was that ever posted on youtube was that video uh
1: no, you know? that wasn't um
0: no, the, your um, presentation.
1: The, the talk. Yeah. Uh, no, um, the unfortunately the, the quality of the audio wasn't really good gotcha. enough. Um, yeah. We're uh, we're looking at um, redoing that and try, basically getting that same material out there. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the uh, the audio wasn't quite as good as we we hoped, so uh, yeah. yeah, couldn't really put it out.
0: Nice. Um, what was the other presentation you gave? Oh, teaching neutrally buoyant, right? That was the other presentation you yeah. gave there. Yeah. So, we are on. The, the same page there. So we teach neutrally buoyant from day one. Um, I've talked about multi, multiple of these interviews at this point and it's, um, there's lots of pros and cons and you kind of hit on it before, which is, which is good. Um, so you are currently teaching all the way through recreational through technical or are you focusing on technical stuff? I'm split up and instructor training and all that. Um, so well, I'm, I'm, Pretty lucky in that
1: I um, I can spread my time uh, you know across all. I'm I'm probably best known for for technical teaching, so a lot of what I do is is technical teaching. Um, but with the work I do as, a, as an IT and for, for HQ, I get involved in a lot of recreational uh, teaching as well. I, I think it's important that instructors teach recreational courses. Um, you know, at least one recreational course every year.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: um, especially as an IT. Um, yep. If you're teaching people how to teach, you better be doing it as well. And um, as an instructor, trying to evaluate if I'm teaching people to be ITs, uh, I don't want anyone to ever say, well, you know, it's not the same as when you were teaching. Um, so, yeah, I teach. Um, I, I still teach. I don't teach um, as much stuff um, as, uh, as I used to, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I've taught not more class in the uh, in the last couple of months, in fact, the um, uh, I've, I've currently got a, a student going through their SDI Advanced program at the moment. So we're um, we're going to be doing some online nitrox sessions in the next couple of days, uh, and then a deep and a navigation course. And so um, yeah, I, I still enjoy teaching open water. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's only one chance you get to take someone in the water for the first time, and yep. that is a it's a priceless opportunity. I love seeing people when they come out of the water for the first time. That 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 look on their face, that smile, um, you can always tell when someone's really hooked as a as a diver. Yeah. Uh, by the time they get to technical stuff, sometimes they're a little bit jaded. You know, they're you know they're they're a bit cocky. Maybe they've seen it, they've done it. Um, you don't get that same oh wow. Uh, feeling as you do with open water yeah Um, so um, yeah I I still teach primarily technical but also recreational um, and then instructor as well you know I I still I love teaching instructors and we've we've touched on a little bit of my teaching philosophy um, and as an instructor you can have an impact on the divers that you teach. You can have a fantastic impact in making them safe, making them uh, enjoy the, the sport and bringing in active divers. But then as an IT, I can have an even bigger reach because all the instructors I teach can have an impact. Um, so it's, you know, uh, it's that um, extra level of, uh, of, uh, of reach that you can have you can have a much bigger impact as, a, as an IT than you can as an instructor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I love teaching instructors. It's a um, a lot of people underestimate how big a jump it is from being an instructor to an instructor trainer. Uh, <laughs> teaching people how to teach is is a skill in itself, um, and I you know I get a real um, buzz out of teaching people how to how to teach. Um, I love seeing the students of my instructor candidate. I love seeing someone uh, that is great diver because of an instructor that i've taught um that that, you you can be sitting at home with a cup of tea and there is someone out there creating divers, good safe divers which is Mm -hmm. a a fantastic feeling
0: yeah i completely agree on that um and i totally the the teaching recreational even though you're teaching tactical and and becoming an instructor trainer and all that absolutely 100 percent. i mean there there is nothing better than taking somebody in the water for the first time um one of the things I've seen as being a big issue, especially with doing instructor training is you get some, some of the tech divers you get in that want to suddenly become instructors and now they want to talk tech to every single open water student. Like mm-hmm. you, you need to slow down, let them enjoy, let them realize where they're at in their training and enjoy the first ones. And it's, you know, don't poo poo on their first experience ever cause they're not a tech diver yet. Like talk about all the fish and things in 30 feet of water and when they're ready or if they ask you a question then okay yeah um we have some students that are adamant they're like i'm going to back kick like well well yeah i mean we're going to show you how to do that in open water but we don't really require you to do it perfectly like no i'm going to like okay (laughs) all right fair enough um but yeah do you see a fair amount of that that whole yeah um do you see a fair amount of the whole uh I'm a tech diver. I, I don't uh, respect the, or I misled in the te- how I'm teaching recreational side of things.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think uh, uh, I'm a tech diver, and I want to be a tech instructor. And I, I want to skip the whole teaching recreational stuff. Is a uh, is a very very common situation. Right. Um, you know. Teaching recreationally is where you learn. That's where you learn how to be an instructor. That's where you learn what a student looks like when they're uh, feeling uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and all of that is, is priceless. You know, you, you need to have all of that under your belt before you then start trying to teach someone um, technical diving and being able to teach them with a decompression obligation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've definitely got to go through the, the basics. Um, and also, I think it's... Um, it's a very, very good way of um, being able to teach to the, to the right level. Um, something yep. I think is a, a lot of instructors make the, the mistake that they think the more you put in, the better it's going to be. The more information I give, the, you know, the, the better instructor I am. Well, it, more is not always better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be the right information. Uh, so an example I use is, uh, you know, I ask instructor candidates, how long should uh, a DECO a decompression sickness um, lecture B. And, um, well, it, it depends on the audience. If I'm teaching oat mortar that's about five minutes. Uh, if I'm teaching deco procedures, it's a couple of hours. I also do a half-day uh, decompression um, uh, workshop. And I also do a two-day decompression theory uh, course. And each covers decompression. And at the end of it, each student thinks, oh, yeah, I, I know what I need to know now. Mm -hmm. um i've covered everything they need to know but different levels different level of uh of knowledge
0: when i do my uh course director training i i always talk about this and like why did you you assign what topics and times i'm like i always give decompression theory or something along that complicatedness five minutes you got to give me a presentation in five minutes and then it's like snorkels 15 go and they're like why is that because i need to see that you can either give more than enough information like really cover every single piece because you can talk for however long you need to about whatever you want to um jesse would be happy that i said snorkel because he's mad at me about that or something um and uh but but, and Dico, like you need to be able to give it to me in like five minutes like give me a general rundown because that might be what the audience needs so
1: yeah Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I do exactly the same. Giving the the deco theory to the techie diver and making them explain it in five minutes, Mm or 10 minutes. And uh, uh, yeah, messes with their head. Mm -hmm. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. How do I do it? I can't do that. Yeah, you can just make it happen. Just look at your audience and figure it out. So um, yeah, Yeah. that's always fun. How did
1: that recreational instructor explain to you when you were learning Mm what they see? That's recreational instructors are smarter than you think.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, most of them are. <laughs> so um, we are approaching on our one hour together. And I have got to be on Gareth Locke's uh, 10-week instructor program, or not instructor, 10-week uh, cl- webinar class that he is uh, running. So just one or two more questions for you. Um, how are you doing with all this stuff? How are things in Mark's life? You good?
1: um yeah i'm good i'm very lucky i live in a, a beautiful part of the the world and um i'm over your head now i'm looking out of my window and i can see a tree a cherry tree that's just about coming into blossom and the forest of dean and it's sunny there's hardly any clouds in the sky so um if you're gonna be locked in somewhere then i'm in a pretty good uh, place to be and also you know i'll tell you a, a secret At the start of this year the travel was manic Um, -hmm. so, uh, spending a couple of weeks at home at the moment is, is not a hardship uh, Mm -hmm. at all. Um, another couple of months and maybe I'll be ready to get on that plane again. Um, but yeah, I'm healthy. My wife's healthy, all the family's healthy. Um, and that's, that's the most important thing you can say at the moment.
0: It absolutely is. Uh, are you going to be able to get any diving in even, you know, I don't know if you solo dive or extended or anything like that, or are you uh, just taking the time off?
1: we're pretty much in lockdown uh, in the UK. So yeah, uh, you can't, can't go anywhere. Um, So yeah, diving's pretty much off the the board for the foreseeable future. Um, So yeah, that's why taking the chance to catch up on our diving projects and uh, do all the things I thought, yeah, I'll I'll do that when I've got some time, no excuses now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. That to do list starts getting long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, When you get back, what's the first dive you think you're going to do?
1: Oh, um, unfortunately, there, there's a, a local dive site uh, that I use for for training um, in Chester National Diving Activity Centre, which is a fantastic um, spot for training. It's got everything that you need from uh, six meters to seventy meters. Um, so yeah, probably that would be my first uh, my first dive, first fun dive. Well, we've got a couple of good easy shore dives. Only a couple of hours from here, so uh, yeah, North Coast of Devon, down towards Plymouth, something like uh, something like that, Uh, or it may well be heading out. um, I'm going to be spending some time in uh, Italy. We've got some uh, some some guys in Poland that we that i was supposed to be doing some work with, um, or Spain maybe. So yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't care where it is. It's uh, it's going to be great wherever I do my Mm -hmm. next dive.
0: That works. Right, I'm gonna work on the wife and see if I can convince her to come out to the u k She doesn't dive, but I'm sure she'd enjoy it, so uh, maybe we'll come out and visit or Scotland and do scap or something like that so so, so. There's, uh,
1: yeah plenty of history even if you're if you're not a diver yeah. um, so I'm sure we'll
0: uh, we'll find plenty to keep her occupied that works uh and one last thing before I let you go, send me those videos so I can make you a foundations instructor man. We got to get that mm, done you yeah. got time now
1: <laughs> i will I' will do that. Uh yeah, well I've got to get in the water for
0: that. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, you gotta have something. <laughs> maybe
1: if I if I edit together all the uh the previous videos go. I've got. But, uh, it'll work yeah, out. I'll definitely,
0: definitely do that. Yeah, I'd love that. So all right, Mark. Well thank you very much. Um I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. Um and we'll you talk to you well. soon. Thanks, man. Talk all to you. Right. You take care. All right, take care. Bye.